Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat learning session with TBA rabbinic intern Ben Siegel. This week is Shabbat Shuvah. We're in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And I wanted to take an opportunity to kind of look into this period. And um, also, I'm doing the Taste of Torah next week, and I didn't want to teach Hazinu twice. Um, so um, I'll write in Taste of Torah about Hazinu, and we'll do some Mishnah learning. So what you're passing around, um, and the source sheet that um, was sent out in the bulletin yesterday, is um, a couple of Mishnayot from Mishnah Rosh Hashanah. Um, we're shortly after Rosh Hashanah. And the chapter that we're catching the end of is talking about how do we actually welcome in the new month? How does that happen? So today we have a calendar, it's set, but 2,000-ish years ago, there was actually a process of witnessing the new moon, which is the lack of a moon, and saying this is the day that, um, that the month starts and we go from there. And because Rosh Hashanah is also Rosh Chodesh Tishrei, um, that's one of the reasons why it ends up in this portion, portion of the Mishnah. So we're catching the tail end of a conversation in the Mishnah about what's going on with that. And um, this is pre-clock. Yeah, they had uh, sundials back then, but that's not so helpful with month to month. So um, if I could get a volunteer to read this first chunk, I know it's a decent amount. We're going to kind of run through the first two parts of this, the first Mishnah and a half of this, um, because it's really the end that I think talks about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur more in context and out of the context of just um, how does a new month happen? I am Alan. Rabbi Gamliel had a diagram of the different forms of the moon drawn on a tablet that hung on the wall of his attic which he would show to the layman who came to testify about the new moon, but were, un, but were unable to describe adequately what they had seen. And he would say to them, did you see a form like this or like this? There was an incident in which two witnesses came to testify about the new moon, and they said, we saw the waning moon in the morning in the east and that same day, we saw the new moon in the evening in the West. Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri said, They are false witnesses, as it is impossible to see the new moon so soon after the last sighting of the waning moon. However, when they arrived in Yavne, Rabban Gamliel accepted them as witnesses without concern. And there was another incident in which two witnesses came and said, we saw the new moon at its anticipated time, that is, on the night of the 30th day of the previous month. However, on the following night, that is, the start of the, of the 31st, which is often the, de the determinant of a full 30-day month, it was not seen. And nevertheless, Rabban Gamliel accepted their testimony and established the new moon on the 30th day. Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus disagreed and said, They are false witnesses. How can witnesses testify that a woman gave birth and the next day her belly is between her teeth? That is, 
she is obviously still pregnant. If the new moon was already visible at its anticipated time, how could it not be seen a day later? Rabbi Yoshua said to him, I see the logic of your statements. The new moon must be established a day later. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, um, yeah, what is going on here? I'm going to pass around this, and I'll show it here first. Um, there's a little, this is a kid's Mishnah from Israel that's illustrated, and there's a nice little illustration here of um, the, the diagram that would be shown, because presumably not everyone knows all the different faces of the moon. I certainly didn't the first time I studied this, and so it's really helpful to be able to point them out, so I'll just pass that around. Um, but... No, it's it's a very colorful metaphor that does not necessarily work, but the idea is essentially, the idea behind the pregnancy metaphor is how can you say something has happened and then have a clear sign that it didn't happen. Like you can't have these two things happening in the same way that you can't have the um, the new moon so soon after the last waning moon. Great. So basically we've got a couple of Jews, different opinions. Um, it's important to note, Rabban Gamliel is head honcho rabbi, so his word is going to be more important for the Jewish community as a whole. He probably hasn't heard necessarily what happened with Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri, that Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri said, um, we're not going to accept these witnesses. But at the same point, once he's said something, that's generally what the Jewish community is going to go with. And so right now we have Rabbi Yehoshua who's saying Rabbi Yochanan, or these witnesses can't be accepted. And this is after, uh, or sorry, Rabban Gamliel has said, I'm going to accept these witnesses. Um, so with that in mind, can I get someone to move on to the next half of a Mishnah? Upon hearing that Rabbi Yehoshua had challenged his ruling, Rabbi Gamliel sent a message to him. I decree against you that you must appear before me with your staff and with your money on the day on which Yom Kippur occurs according to your calculation. According to my calculation, that day is the 11th of Tishrei, the day after Yom Kippur. Rabbi Akiva went and found Rabbi Yoshua distressed that the head of the great Sanhedrin was forcing him to desecrate the day that he maintained was Yom Kippur. In an attempt to console him, Rabbi Akiva said to Rabbi Yoshua, I can learn from a verse that everything that Rabbi Gamaliel did in sanctifying the month is done. It is valid. As it is stated, these are the appointed seasons of the Lord, sacred convocations which you shall proclaim in their season. This verse indicates that whenever you have proclaimed them at their proper time, or whenever you have declared them not at their proper time, I have only these festivals as established by their representatives of the Jewish by the representatives of the Jewish people. Rabbi Yeshua then came to Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinas, who said to him, If we come to debate and, and question the rulings of the court of Rabban Gamliel, we must debate and question the rulings of every court that has stood from the day of Moses until now. As it is stated, then Moses went up, and Aaron, Nadav, and Avihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. Um, but why were the names of these 70 elders not specified? Rather, this comes to teach that every set of three judges that stands as a court over the Jewish people has the same status as the court of Moses. Since it is not revealed who sat on that court, apparently it is enough that they were official judges in a Jewish court. Great, thank you. So what 
we've just kind of read through another chunk. I just want to process it before we actually get into it. What was Rabbi Yoshua asked to do, and what are the stakes involved in what he was asked to do? Or asked is kind of a nice way of putting it. What was he demanded that he do? Except the decision of Rabban Gamliel, which is specifically to do what? It was, I mean, yeah, but it was done in a pretty humiliating way. It was like, not, not only are you going to say that you're wrong, but you're going to like very publicly show that you're wrong because if what you're going to do is like, if you were right, would be a terrible, terrible thing. So, so he's being asked to show up on the day that he thinks is Yom Kippur with money, with other stuff. It's, it is potentially meant to throw a little bit of humility towards or force humility upon him. Um, it's also intended to, what, what does showing up with money mean on Yom Kippur in, in, in this case? Great. He's being asked to carry, to yeah. transact with money in a way that would be a desecration of Yom Kippur. He's being told, I am so certain that you're wrong that I'm going to make you do something that I would not feel comfortable with a Jew doing on Yom Kippur. That's what Rabban Gamliel is essentially forcing him to do. So, the greater principle that I think is being established here is you can't build a society if you have everybody with their own opinion. So at some point, we have to listen to the ruling. I'm going And that's why, look, this gets to the broader issue of, you know, that you can't establish community, a society, a government, an army, or whatever, unless you have some definitive, you know, laws. And what they're saying, what he's really saying here, we can't debate, we can't have all these different rules. At some point, we have to agree that this is the particular date, or we can't have the holiday. Great. I, I want you to hold on to that thought for a little bit. We'll kind of circle back there in a minute. But the idea is essentially for those who you know, I've been able to hear on Zoom or podcast or whatever. The idea is that we can't have two Yom Kippurs. There needs to be one for the Jewish community. We can't, if we start fractioning off into, or factioning off um, into one group that does Yom Kippur on this day and another that does it on a different day, then we're going to start not being one community. Um, so what is the advice? He goes to two of his colleagues and they give him Slightly different takes, but um, similar advice. What's the advice that he's given? Follow it. Like, don't contest. Follow it. Yeah. Don't contest. And um, anything else others want to add? I mean, that's that's the basis of it. They have two different reasons behind it. One of them is that we can only have one Yom Kippur, essentially. That's kind of what... Uh, what Rabbi Akiva is coming with. And Rabbi Dosa says we can't challenge the courts. We need to have courts that have final opinions at a certain point. Why not three witnesses instead of two? Previously, we've set up that there need to be two witnesses. The idea behind it is essentially one person may not be certain, but two witnesses we can generally trust that there's... Um, there's value in getting the same testimony from multiple people. It's the same amount of testimony that we need for anything else in Jewish law. Because why not three after the fact to look at the sky? Because it depends on the evening sky. So the testimony is happening 
after what needed to be witnessed already happened. So they can't go back and look at the sky. It's already going to be different by that night. Um, but thank you. Good question. So um, I guess the question is, if you're put in a situation where you're being told to compromise your values or listen to the people you trust, what would you do? Of, um, is it a matter of values, really? Isn't it just a matter of making a decision about what day it is? I mean, it's not really values. I mean, the values are the same. We start out the Yom Kippur on, on its proper date in reference to the uh, first day of Tishri. Right, so values, values may not have been put exactly the right way, but if you're being told do something that you think is incorrect or listen to the people that you trust, like the op option one is do what you think is correct, but don't listen to the people you trust. Option two is don't do, listen to the people you trust, but do something that you think is potentially a transgression of the holiest day in Judaism. I, I, I don't think that may be the right analysis of it. I think Grant's determination of this is right because once it's the Jewish people who have the power to declare what it is. It's not like Shabbat, which is determined by, by God. This is the, the new, the, the holidays are observed when the people declare it to be the holiday. And once the people declare it to be the holiday, right or wrong, that's the law. That's what's accepted. So you have to follow that commandment. And I think there's another mid. This is there's this part of this is to say that well that being called to do this and 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 maybe some sort of violation from his own standpoint. But it's not because that one person doesn't have the power to determine. And once it's set, I think there's an issue about this about blowing the shofar, something about that I, somewhere about but whatever about whether we're going to blow it or not blow it. He says, hey, look. It's already been determined. It doesn't matter. This is the day. This is what you've got to follow. End of discussion. Because otherwise, as one of the person, one of the people said here, that you'd have to be questioning decisions all the way back if you didn't accept the word of a valid court that was taking place. Okay. Fair. Yeah. I think maybe this is coming up for me in the position of an intern. But I, but, but I really appreciate what, what's sticking out to me looking at it now is um, that uh, Rabbi Yehoshua felt like he was being asked to do something from someone that's in, that, that is in a position that he trusts, and, um, but being asked to do something that he did think was incorrect, as you said. And before he acts, whether he goes to them or they come to him, he's in conversation with Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Dosib and Harkness to determine what do I do so he doesn't just act one way or the other I'm correct and I'm going to do what I want to do or um, okay I'll just give up what I think but first he consults two people and I also was thinking about the two witnesses that we we're talking about before in terms of seeing the moon and then that consulting two people can be helpful when you're in this position so I think that's what's popping out at me is that uh, finding people to mentor you or such great so We've got a couple of opinions about sort of about what to do in this case. Let's actually see what happens. So can I get a volunteer to le read the end of this? Um. Okay. <laughs> when Rabbi Yehoshua 
heard that Rabbi Dosa ben Harkonus maintained that they must submit to Rabban Gamliel's decision. He took his staff and his money in his hand, and he went to Yavne to Rabban Gamliel on the day on which Yom Kippur occurred according to his own calculation. Upon seeing him, Rabban Gamliel stood up and kissed him on his head. He said to him, Come in peace, my teacher and my student. You are my teacher in wisdom, as Rabbi Yehoshua was wiser than anyone else in his generation, and you are my student, as you accepted my statement despite your disagreement. Great. So um, I know I've got a couple of questions here that I actually think I'm not going to ask one of them um, to kind of keep us on track. But um, what what just happened, essentially? Law and order? I mean... He agreed. He did what I asked. Therefore, you understand that there's just one, there's one law for all of us. Great. So he, he accepts the fact that there needs to be one understanding of when Yom Kippur is. And he's accepted as um, his student for accepting the opinion. And yeah. what do you make of the wisdom piece, Grant? The wisdom piece? Yeah. Where does that come from? Or do you think that that's unrelated? Like I, the unbolded part of the translation oh, you, you, is coming from commentaries. It's not a direct translation. So um, it's one rabbinic opinion. It may be multiple rabbinic opinions. I haven't gone through all of them, but it's not, doesn't need to be the only opinion. Yeah. No, I mean, I think the, the reference to wisdom is that it's wise to recognize that that you you have to have one authority that makes one establishment and that's how we build a people and that's how we build a society so even though you disagree you show your wisdom by by ultimately doing what i asked and showing up and that's why he hugged him and kissed him and all that kind of stuff because he recognized just what a even though he had this disagreement he did what he was told i, I mean i think you know this this last paragraph basically says it all what we were all talking about that ultimately to build a society or to build a government you've got to have one ultimate you know judicial court that makes ruling one of the and just take our own society for example there's a lot of people calling into question whether the u.s supreme court people are going to abide by its rulings and that's a dangerous place for this country because they have no enforcement mechanism they have no way to make sure that their laws are carried out and that people need to trust in the court system and to follow the laws. And we are a society of laws, just like these people are. And into some, we're entering uncharted waters. And so we're, we're also going to watch how that plays out. So, Yeah. A less political statement, though, I happen to agree with you, Brent. Um, I I see this similar to what Yael was talking about. Um, many many of you know that I'm the associate rabbi, which means that I work with a senior rabbi. Um, and I part of what I do in my job is sit with someone who I revere and who I respect and who I love and who I look up to and who mentors me. And that doesn't always mean that we agree, right? <laughs> but, but that does mean that in the moments that we disagree, that I can still support him and still 
outwardly be a united front. Um, and I think that we learn something from each other in that because there are moments in which I'm sure um, he does not agree with me and chooses to be a united front um, and and support me on the outset. And that's that's what I think is happening at the end here, where Raban Gamliel kisses him on his head and says, come in peace, my teacher and my student, because he's not, he recognizes that, that this wasn't easy. He recognizes that this wasn't what he would have chosen. And yet, because he was willing to do it, he is now someone to look up to as a teacher and also someone to learn from that if i'm ever in this situation in which i don't agree with someone maybe i should take a step back and wonder if that person is deciding something that even if i don't agree with it they have reasons for their decision and so because i love them and i respect them i go along with them and support them um, and so i actually see this as a very intimate very sweet moment um, that i hope that i hope that if people work with anybody who is um, a, a partner to them uh, that that we're able to have those kinds of relationships because I think it's a very beautiful way of thinking about partnership as not always equal but but always supportive. Great. It's just uh, it shows that if you put the ego aside, yeah. everything will be fine. I think the main subject here for me is the ego because you want to say I'm right and you say I'm right, but if you can say nicely both persons are respected great so so with that in mind what is that this is about yom kippur in Masa, in um mishnah rosh hashanah it's not here the story could could be placed in a lot of different places as any story in the talmud and mishnah whatever can be um and i think it's not an accident that it's here um in part because I think it teaches us something about forgiveness, apologies, um, looking back on our past year. Anyone want to care to, I guess, read my mind? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but like, what does it teach us about apologies? Apologies. No, I, no one's apologizing, but I think it's it is teaching us something, and. Both you and Rosemary were getting at it a little bit. Yeah. That you actually believe that whether you're Rabbi Gamliel or whatever, that you're making an argument that you believe is right. And that those arguments, um, um, and that's probably why there's not an apology here. It's not something to apologize for. We're not, we're not a people, and these are not people without arguments, but they're arguments that are pure of heart. And then there are arguments just for argument's sake to be contrary. And I think there's a distinction in Judaism about this. I mean, I'm yeah, sure I learned it at the synagogue, but I'm just saying that, that, <laughs> that, that, they, that we do allow for argument for purity of heart when you have a decent argument. And that's what this is. It's not an, it's not an ego argument. It's an argument, as Rosemary said, it's not the ego. It's an argument for heaven that's that seen as righteous under heaven because you're arguing from your purity of heart as opposed to just to be a contrarian great last comment and then okay I, I just wanted to add 
one thing, and it follows up regarding what Rabbi Schatz had said. And it's ultimately here that you can have two rabbis who are arguing and can disagree. But here, Rabbi Klickfeld is the mora da'atra. It's what his word is going to be binding. And you may have all sorts of, re of reasons to think that, well, I think you could do it this way. And that ties in with another thing we learned here, that elu ve'elu divrei Elohim chayim, that these and these are the words of a living God, that either approach could be done, but sometimes the, the line concludes, after the majority you must incline. Here in the, in the synagogue, it, the majority is whatever the Moradatra says. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So I, I think that's a good way of putting it, Brant, that there are arguments that are for heaven's sake and there are arguments that are not. And we need to know when we're involved in an argument that's not and not drag it out forever and not hold on to that argument forever. Um, what I got out of it, which is not far off of what you were getting out of it, was that um, there are things that we can hold on to from the past year that can really bug us and they're minor things and we need to think about it as we're going into Yom Kippur that maybe it's time to let those things be. Maybe it's time to not expect an apology for certain things. This isn't everything. There are things that are that need to be forgiven or that need to be apologized for. Um, but there are little things that we can hold on to that we need to leave behind if we're going to move ahead into Yom Kippur and what follows. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.